It's an 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode for the book Blood Relatives, the 30th of the 87th Precinct books. I can't believe we're up to 30 already out of 55. Madness. So we rated it pretty highly on the main podcast, but we've got our usual rundown of book covers and editions, our look at some more stuff from 1975, and casting, fantasy casting stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Although one thing we did mention on the main podcast, which we didn't end up following up on, was we talked about the film of Blood Relatives being produced by someone called Michael Klinger, where he was oh, one of the producers, yeah. and Steve-O now has did, the additional yeah. information about the links between Michael Klinger and some other stuff you might know. Well, yeah, well, I remember this guy, and I would like to stress that I didn't remember him because he produced uh, Confessions of a Window Cleaner <laughs> uh, and Confessions of a What Other Things People Pop Performer. Oof. Yeah, there was a lot of confessions of films. Yeah, confessions a... of a summer camp counsellor. Oh, yeah. Who on earth? Well, he must have been out of his mind. <laughs> Anyhow. No, but I remember him. Um, well, I mentioned the Roger Moore link because he produced Gold, which is set in South Africa. And Some Roger Moore plays suit action, a maverick, safety-conscious mining engineer who uh, does his best to avert disaster. Against a very unscrupulous John Gielgud, who oh, yes. who floods a mine in order to inflate gold prices. <laughs> yeah, so it's a corker. <laughs> and he also produced Get Carter, which I didn't remember. Uh, but then also, also Cul-de-Sac and Repulsion, which are two Polanski early films. Roman Polanski films. Yeah, mm. a study in terror as well. Gosh, wasn't that? Yeah, that's the one with. Uh, yeah, John Neville, where he's uh, Sherlock Holmes is chasing down Jack oh, the Ripper. Yes, yes yeah. indeed. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So some all, some good films and some all, absolute tosh. Yeah. All of them, regardless of quality, better known than the film of Blood Relatives. True. Yeah. Anyway, I presume he was just brought in from the sort of to manage the English language side of the mm. you know the the promotion of the film. But anyway, let's skip on from that and have a look at our copies of the. Book. We've all got the same edition this time, haven't we? We have, yeah. We have indeed. The only thing to tell them apart will be their smell. Well, there might be other things as well, and not mm. just that mine's got loads of little tiny post-it notes stuck in it. I will say one thing about this. It's odd, because obviously every McBain book starts, 87th Precinct book starts with, the city in these pages is imaginary. The people, the places are all fictitious. Only the police routine is based on established investigatory techniques. Mm. In here, it's put on the copyright page in tiny letters. It is, yeah. Like it's some sort of legal obligation rather than, a, you know, a Dragnet-style announcement at the start. <laughs> yeah, that's start true. Of it. Do you think that's a bit of a, a mess-up? I don't know. It feels a bit like the, it. Yeah, it looks like someone's just thought, oh, it's a bit more bit more legal stuff. Let's tuck it over there. Yeah, I don't know why, really. I mean, yeah, I presume we've all got exactly the same edition, but uh, I don't know. What, what this edition, 77? Yep. Yeah. 1977, £1.75 yeah. on the back. Oh, you see, I, mine's been crossed out. But oh, yours is different. Oh, he's Ooh. got a barcode. He's got a barcode, everyone. Yours is yours is slightly newer then, I would say. Yeah, it will be if he's got a barcode. On. Yeah, can't read what that price same, would have been. Same ISBN number. Well, there you go. £3. Mine was free. free. I used to have this. Oh, I mem- I've just remembered something that I was going to find out. I got a hard copy oh uh, no. remember yeah ah, right. okay. i well, mentioned what? it in the last one or to you 
not on not every, Not everything I say is recorded uh, for podcast purposes. Just quite and, a lot of it. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Because I got this in order to make sure I had a nice paperback wall. Yeah. So my, my edition would have been 20, 20 entire pence more expensive than yours. Wow. I've just discovered from... Well, it costs a lot to put a barcode on the back of a book. It certainly does. My one, my copy was £1.50 when I bought it. Mm. as a second hand book. But it's got a little um, sticker in the front saying that it was once the property of Michael Blumenthal from mm. Birkenhead. Oh. I've got his address and phone number in the front of the book. And to ring him up. I've got your book. <laughs> it's 051, so it's before the uh, dialing oh, codes yeah. changed for, for the UK. Mm-hmm. But the copies we've got are the Gold Band McBain editions, and it's a close-up of a fingerprint or a bloody fingerprint on a form, isn't it, basically? Mm. Quite simple. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I shall pass over to Steve-O the various other editions. All right, okay. American Let's on top, look. UK on bottom. Yeah, that's the one I've got. I've got that, I've got that one. So, Steve-O, yeah. you've got the Hamish Hamilton UK edition. I think that might be worth something. No. No. The bloody handprint, <laughs> though. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but I've, that's the one I've got, yeah. That one looks looks new, that, doesn't it? Oh, you see, look at that. So you're pointing to the signal... Uh, sorry, the uh, Bantam edition, which yeah. is the weird one that was published a couple of years Ooh, look later. Look at that, there's a man's face coming out of a traffic light. Rather eerie, isn't it? It is, yeah. That looks quite scary, does that? And then there, the, the, yeah, there, the bloody marks the, on the yeah, door. Yeah, the original pan edition. Hands are featured prominently in all... Versions apart from ours, yeah, which is the end of a hand known as the finger. <laughs> but yeah, bloodied hands. They're not, they're not the best ones we've seen, are they? Really? No. Although the, that, that edition that you've got, actually, I think um, a bit more stylized, isn't it? I quite yeah. like that. Yeah, I should have brought. Yeah, it's, such it's, a it's not in my issue. main. It's not in my main McBain section in my bookcase. Yeah. I think I've got but some yeah, the, squirreled the, away. The bloody hand prints on the doors of the 87th Precinct are such a powerful image in the book. It's understandable why mm. they feature mm. quite so heavily in yes. this. Uh, so although it looks quite stylized, it is supremely literal, the design that they've used for all of these. So, Steve, are you, you going to do a smell assessment yeah, here I'll to try a and... quick huff. Mm, right, okay. It's a little spicy, that one. Spicy. <laughs> it's more mellow. A bit mellow, my, my edition. That's nice. <laughs> not not quite as mature, obviously. Ooh. <laughs> oh, blimey. I don't know. Yours is sweeter. Oh, excellent stuff. Yeah, I, I call it a draw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, spicy and mellow, but uh, to, to equal extents. Oh, um, that's nice. That's nice. I hope everyone appreciated that uh, feature. <laughs> well... I think Steve's he's going to kill Steve by one of these days. <laughs> book spores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to turn into a bookworm. Let's have a look at some 1975 stuff. Our top 10 UK albums. Oh. Ooh. Um, Wish you were here. No. Um, what? Oh, Bowie, uh, Young Americans, maybe? Let me have a little look. I'm, I'm looking at it. I can't read it. Why is that? My eyes are going funny. No, uh, no Bowie in the top ah, 10 albums. Um, like Queen. They will, uh, no, 75 is when Bohemian Rhapsody comes out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So but I don't think the, the album first, oh, right. it gets into the top 10 of the year. I can't believe Wish You Were Here wasn't top. Maybe that came out towards the end of the year, maybe. 
Uh, it's, I mean, it, Blood on the Tracks, wasn't that 75? No. Is, is, is there a lot of greatest hits albums? Yes, basically. It's. I'll run it down for you. I mean, the first number one position was held by the best of the stylistics. Oh, yeah. By sure. the stylistics. Yep. Number two was Once Upon a Star by... Uh, think Scotland, think... Uh, Bay City Rollers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Bay City Rollers. A God roller mania. And then number three was Atlantic Crossing by... Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. <laughs> then we have 40 Golden Greats by Jim Reeves. Oof, that's perhaps too many Golden Greats. <laughs> then we have Venus and Mars by Wings. Oh. Terrific. Then we have 40 Greatest Hits by Elvis Presley. 40 is the magic number, clearly. Uh, apparently, well, yeah, the double LP, isn't it, I yeah, guess? Yeah, Then we have Greatest Hits by Elton John. Bloody hell. Then we have Horizon by The Carpenters. It's ah. a bad year, isn't it? Definitely yeah. lots of record companies looking for easy cash cows. Yeah, well, number nine, though, Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. Oof. A classic of the Tubular Bell-based genre. Yes. The best narrated Tubular Bells yeah. album yeah. ever. True. Well, it is because it's Viv Stanchel, isn't it? So, from the Bonzo Dog Doodah band. And at number 10, 40 Greatest Hits by Perry Como. <sighs> Bloody hell. Bleak times. <laughs> it's very bleak. That's a very uninspiring lineup. that, I would yeah, say. It's, I mean, there's lots going on in music in 1975. Mm, like, that's yeah. not represented very well by the album, you know, the top albums of the year. Mm. Iron Maiden have formed in 1975. Yeah. So that's quite good. Was the American chart a bit more exciting? Quite possibly, but I haven't got it written down. Okay, well, let's pretend it was. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Less golden greats kicking around, maybe. Or perhaps perhaps there was even more. Maybe. Some TV shows, then, to put into context, stuff that was going on. The Sweeney begins in the UK. All right, okay. I have never seen a single episode of The Sweeney. You know? I know. Have you watched it, Steve? I'm not sure, actually. I've ever sat down and watched one from start to finish. I feel like I know exactly what it's like, but I've never seen yeah. it. It was heavily parodied, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think of... it's. I think he's all right. Yeah. It might be worth investigating. But... It was a sort of uh, rough and tumble, buddy, buddy cop show sort of thing, wasn't it? In the UK, yeah. a bit more down on the streets, flying squad stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Good Life starts in the UK. Wonderful. Less flying squad. Yeah, not so seen. much uh, crime investigation in The Good Life. More... Oh, Felicity Kendall, though. Felicity Kendall. So it's positive. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a very good comedy, The Good Life. Wheel of Fortune starts in America. In the UK, we've got Faulty Towers starts. Oh, okay. And obviously... And- Probably ends as well. Or does well, it, it starts it? in September, so and there was two series. So, oh, I think, right, yeah, you know, I okay, think it fair runs enough for a couple of years. The second series was a long time after the first, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. A couple of years, I think. I just knew that. I thought this, yeah, wasn't it like 79? The second, I thought there was a big gap. But I, I, knew, like, I, I know there aren't many episodes, but I suppose if they split over two series, then anyway, yeah, yeah fair enough. Another good comedy that I like is Rutland Weekend Television. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. It's Eric Idle and Neil Innes, which births the Ruttles. Mm-hmm. This is a good one, Morgan. You like this? There's a TV special called The Nightmare by Alice Cooper. Oh, it's it's amazing. Oh, you've seen uh, it? Yes, absolutely terrific. De- definitely recommended to anyone. Yeah, this is his big sort of launch of his solo career following the breakup of the original Alice Cooper band. 
absolutely tremendous. As I understand it, it's like a conceptual promo film for the, al- yeah, like, the album. Yeah, basically, it's the, the, the full Welcome to My Nightmare album uh, as a vis- in visual form. It's absolutely great. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. We also see the end of Ironside. <sighs> the end of the, the Odd Couple TV series, which is the one that has Jack Klugman in. Mm-hmm. He has to get ready to go and be Quincy, you see. Of course. And things like Gunsmoke and Mannix, things that have been on like American TV for yeah. decades at that point of finish. But something that does start in 1975 on TV in America is Barney Miller. And people keep telling me about Barney Miller mm. and saying that it is more like the 87th Precinct than Hill Street Blues is. Right. Barney Miller's a, a sitcom, essentially. It's a comedy. Mm. And I've watched a tiny amount of it and I get exactly what they mean. It's much more about squadroom dynamic mm. and it's a laugh. So I'll tell you what it says here. Bar- Barney Miller takes place almost entirely within the confines of the detective squad room and Captain Barney Miller's adjoining office of New York City's fictional 12th Precinct. Interesting. Which is based in Greenwich Village. A typical episode featured the detectives bringing in several complainants or suspects. Usually two or three separate subplots are in an episode. Different officers dealing with different crimes. And occasionally you'd have something about their home life. Mm. It does sound quite a lot like the Precinct. But I couldn't, I've not been able to find any direct reference from Ed McBain to Barney Miller. Mm. Given how annoyed he was with Hill Street Blues, this does seem like it has also taken quite a bit of influence from that, but who knows? So we must try and watch some Barney Miller because Mm. the little tiny bits I've watched are, Mm. have been really quite enjoyable and it'd be good to try and work it out. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've ever seen that on. No, okay, telly. I, I think it was probably shown over here, but never been repeated. Really, yeah. There was like 170 episodes of it. It's uh, it's not a little thing. Films then, 1975. Oof. It was um, Jaws 1975? It was. It was the top grossing film. I love that damn shark. Yeah. <laughs> Less keen on all the sequels, mm. but um, you know, that's, there's always something to enough. enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I love I love Jaws. Very good film. One of my faves. And with a golden gun, was that nice? No Bond film in 75. Oh, that, that would have been in 74, wouldn't yeah. it? Hence the Alice Cooper oh. connection. Oh, of course. Oh, we talked about it last we time. Did. We did. Yeah. Um, but if you were missing Bond, you could have... Uh, watched Gold, actually. Yeah. That might be 1975. It might well have been. Or you could watch The Return of the Pink Panther. Uh-huh. Peter Sellers finally back in the, in the role of Inspector Clouseau. I watched Pink Panther yesterday. The original yeah. one. It's weird, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's not really a Peter Sellers film, mm. but it no. is. Yeah, yeah. What else have we got? Well, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. The number two film of the year. Marvellous. And a film that apparently has never not been in cinemas ever since. It's always been showing somewhere. Yeah. That's one of these films that's had the longest continuous run. Perennial midnight movie. Yeah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, tremendous, yeah. Dog Day Afternoon. I don't really know about I've never seen it. No, I've never seen it, no. Film called Mm. Shampoo. Oh, Warren Beatty is that? think so, yeah. 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 Then we have Return of Pink Panther. It was, was Rocky 70. That was, that was quite a, a lot earlier than you think. Well, I'll keep down, going down this list. A film called Funny Lady. And Is then, that a sequel to Funny Girl, possibly? Quite possibly. Yeah. I sadly lack that information. <laughs> then The Apple Dumpling Gang, which wow. was a Disney film. Yep. Rocky was 76. Oh, well, hold on to that thought <laughs> for next time then. Aloha, Bobby and Rose... Which is a 
film about some people. <laughs> and a film called The Other Side of the Mountain, which is a biopic of a skier. Oh, exciting stuff. The sort of thing that gets, you know, awards, I imagine. Oh, yeah. No Hammer Horror films in 1975. Oh, no, dark probably, days. There's probably only one to go, is there not? Yeah, probably. There is <laughs> There is a carry-on film. Oh, God. Of course there is. And it's not carry-on camping, but it is essentially carry-on camping. Carry-on campsite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Carry-on carry multi-use recreational facility. <laughs> carry-on motorhome. <laughs> carry-on Winnebago. <laughs> no, it's called carry-on behind. <laughs> Nah, Which never the, heard of it. Well, everyone will be rushing out to watch it once they hear about frustrated butcher Fred Ramsden and his <laughs> dim electrician friend Ernie Bragg head off for a holiday trip at the Riverside Caravan site. That sounds wonderful. I believe, and you know, don't quote me on this, but I believe hijinks ensue. If it seems so, likely. who's in that? Then who's sti- who was who was still in them in that? Well, I think Windsor Davies is the main guy in that one. Ken Williams is in it, but a lot of the other cast have moved on by that point. Yeah. So. Even they were sick of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Windsor Davis, the shouty man. From, yes. Yeah. It ain't our fault, there are some there are some great films that are also out in 1975. So, for instance, you've got Rollerball. Oh. Which is a cult classic. It's a good one. You've got Shivers, also a cult mm. classic. Which, oh, gosh, yeah. You know, used to be shown late night on Channel 4, which was an interesting to watch. Is that the first David Cronenberg? Might have been the first Maybe, David Cronenberg. I think I think Deep Red might have been 1975. Dario oh. Argento. You might be right. I haven't got it on my list. I've got Barry Lyndon. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The, the Kubrick one that I've I, has anyone actually seen that? Yeah, he spent millions getting candles. Yeah, to, with one Oscars like, for burn lighting, the right colour and didn't stuff, it? didn't he? Like. Yeah, I yeah. think it was quite a hard shoot to do because mm. he was it look, doing it. It looks really good, but it's kind of boring. <laughs> in, my, in my opinion we've got two Ken Russell films uh, De- Tommy no. Tommy's one of them yes uh, what was the other one uh, there's another biopic uh, Listomania Listomania yes yeah. so he's basically just hanging around with a who and just going on the list <laughs> it's yeah bonkers <laughs> Ken Russell what's Listomania a, a biopic of List with is it with Roger Daltrey as Roger well Roger Daltrey playing yeah. List yeah. yeah obviously playing who the composer of uh, oh, right. list. Yeah. So, I've never seen it. And it was called Listomania. Yeah. That sounds very silly. It, uh, it's Ken Russell. It's going to be very silly, isn't it? Yeah. Pro- pro- Have you probably seen it? no, but I imagine it's got a Margaret rolling around in baked beans as well. Yeah. I have a feeling Ringo Oliver Reed might in it. As well. Oh, probably. Is Oliver Reed? He's in bound it? to be, isn't he, surely? <laughs> he turns up a Chopin or something. Ollie, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I'm only going to be in it if you pay me a million pounds to play Oh, Frederick Chopin. Chopin. <laughs> I'm going to play the piano louder than you, List. <laughs> <laughs> only with the black notes. Yeah. Brilliant. Perfect, Ollie. <laughs> My hands are huge and fast. <laughs> I don't know that about Chopin, but it seems likely. <laughs> We've got to watch this film now. We've been yeah, disappointed we do, yeah. that's not in it somewhere. If not, immediately need to make this film. <laughs> All right, okay, what else? Uh, French Connection 2, oh, which yeah. I still haven't watched yet, yeah, but I've got it to watch. We've got The Terror of Mecha Godzilla. Oh, We also have Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Another one of my all time favourite films. Yeah. Naturally. 
we have one of our dinosaurs is missing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, talking yeah, about Disney films. As if I didn't remember that, yeah. That's brilliant, yeah. yeah. Derek Nimmo in his prime. Oh, yeah, in his pomp. <laughs> Peter Eustonov. <laughs> yep. It's only yeah. massively Pl- racist and oh, quite problematic yeah. to rewatch. Yeah, it is, but, you know, just, you just have to put that to one side, I'm afraid. Yeah, you have to bite your tongue so hard now watching it that it's... Uh, you know, it, it's all about the dinosaur, isn't it? It's, as you say, all about the dinosaur. Bernard Breslau mentioned him before. He's in that as well. Yes, also being massively uh, racist portrayal. <laughs> yeah, giant Chinese person. Yeah. So... <laughs> So we'll move on in a second, but I'd like to tell you of two films, the name of two films I found from the USSR in 1975. Mm. One was called Hedgehog in the Fog. Oh, oof. Right. And one was called Hello, I'm Your Aunt. <laughs> I think this was quite a good... There's supposed to be quite a lot of really good, like, Soviet cinema in the 70s, isn't I'm sure there? there is, yeah. Like, and yeah, a lot of animation. Like, I think those um, two might have been animated ones. Yeah. And Tarkovsky's Hedgehog in the Fog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very bleak. <laughs> yeah, like the, four hours of a hedgehog looking into a pond. Yeah, yeah I think. Well, the, yeah, I've seen a few like films, uh, and like nothing really happens for like hours on end. A lot of the Russian cinema I've seen from that time. Yeah, it, it's it's not rushed. No, and there's a, yeah a lot of kind of fields. Long, fields are very prominent. Long windy shots of fields. yeah peasants looking forlorn in windy windswept fields. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, that sounds brilliant. They should have made uh, one carry of our dinosaurs. On <laughs> Soviet windy field. <laughs> carry on up the carry Soviet on. windy field. Carry on up the Kremlin. Nine hour long carry on film. <laughs> Italian black, yeah. and stark black and white. Yeah. Sid James yeah. in the distance. <laughs> and I was going to say, you got, uh, who's, who's the dicky ticker guy? Kenneth Connor. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Connor. Like, who's, who's that guy in the distance there? And it's only after three and a half hours that you perceive it's <laughs> Kenneth Connor. Kenneth Connor. Dragging the dead corpse of a horse up a, <laughs> up a, up a field. Um, like seven hours in, you know. Yeah. Some, the authorities arrive or something. The, the, uh, yeah. the Omsk horse inspector yeah. arrives. That's and, it. He's, he's quite furious that uh, uh, Dicky Ticker Man's not got his paperwork in order yeah. about this horse, and then it ends. Yeah, Something like the five-year like plan has yeah. failed. Yeah, so that's an analogy of the failing uh, oh, dear me. Brezhnev era economic <laughs> agricultural policies. Nailed the, it. Yeah, it's, it's central Russian region. Oh dear me. I feel very difficult to move on from that, but I, and, you know, I, I feel we must. We may have now lost. We may have now lost all our I, listeners. I, I would be quite surprised if that hasn't been made. <laughs> We've just not seen it. Well, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the fantasy casting. So, the fantasy oh, casting yeah. we announced was going to be for Lieutenant Sam Grossman, the head of the forensics division of the police force in these books. Right. Okay. Yep. Someone who is described as sort of tall and angular, quite gentle, but would look more at home on a New England farm than actually in a police lab. I'm nailed on. Guileless, blue eyes behind glasses. Blue eyes. I don't think that matters. All right. Not with CGI and that. But he's a very important character in the book. My guy doesn't have blue eyes. He has brown eyes. Okay, brown-eyed, handsome man. Well, yeah. So... 
we got some nice suggestions in from a few different folk, and I will run down through them. We had a suggestion from... Well, the, the first one that came in was from Kevin Mahoney, and his suggestion was the one that instantly came to mind when I was thinking about it, which is James Cromwell, who is, of course, from LA Confidential, Babe, Green Mile... You know James Cromwell, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh absolutely. yeah. I was yeah. trying to think of his name actually, and I, I couldn't. But that was that was something that did go through my mind. Yeah, he's he does the description of him, brief though it is in the books, does bring James Cromwell to mind. We had some other good suggestions. Uh, our friend Criminoli suggested Lance Henriksen, the guy from who uh, plays the android in Aliens and Alien Three. So he's a picture of him there in the middle. Oh yeah. That's yep. Henriksen. Okay. We have yep. a suggestion from Bill Slocum of Jeff Corey, who was uh, the main villain in the film True Grit. A oh, man yeah. who's acted alongside Glenn Campbell. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> uh, we had a somewhat light-hearted suggestion, I suspect, from Jim Goodwin of Ed Williams, who played the lab tech in the police squad <laughs> in <laughs> <laughs> Naked Gun films. It'd be a good crossover. Yeah, it would be. Nice suggestion from uh, David McDonald of Sam Waterston, who was, I think, is best known from mm. Law and Order. He, he looks a bit look, like Ed McBain. Well, that's what I was thinking. He yeah. looks. If you were going to do a biopic of Ed yeah. McBain, you'd have cast he, Sam Waterston he does. as, as older Ed McBain. Yeah, yeah definitely, I can does, see that. Yeah. yeah. What uh, does he look like in the past? Because he might be good Corella. Well, you'd have to have a look, wouldn't you? Yeah. Back through the pictures. Mm. Uh, a, a slightly different choice from our friend Tom Crabble on um, Facebook of Jude Law. Mm. I suppose as he as he's maturing a little bit now, you know, he's yeah, perhaps yeah yeah. I mean, Jude Law's a bit. I can take him or leave him in certain huh. things. I he can really enjoy him in most. He stuff, can be he, really good, can't he? But he sort of went through a bit of a phase of ubiquity where it was a mm. bit like, oh, what Jude Law's in this again. So he's, those, he's kind of always the same in every single film yeah. he's in, isn't he? I think Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow is still my favourite one of his. Hmm. So my suggestion, before we come to your thoughts on this one, on, is simple. It's Hugh Laurie. Oh. oh, yeah. That's who I want. You know, he's an established actor of a certain age and gravitas. He's got quite a sort of chiselled face now, hasn't he? Sort of, he has, almost, yeah. almost weather-beaten. I mean, or miserable, another way of looking <laughs> yeah. at it. Yeah, that's true. No, no. Yeah, no, I, I can, God. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that. good. Yeah. I like it. Big name. Big yeah. name is, now. Yeah. That's true. So here's my suggestion. So, Morgan, what have you got? Um, my thought, my one and only thought on this uh, was um, Ed Begley Jr. Oh, excellent. We um, love Ed Begley Jr. I, if, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, just, he's he very um, good, actually. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, just the first thing that came into my head, and I was like, I couldn't kind of get him to move out of my head to let other thoughts in, so I thought I'll stick with that. He's good, because Ed Begley Jr., is, he's got a very good comic turn as well. Yeah. He's, he's very good with that. Played Irving Crutch in the Columbo adaptation of Jigsaw. Oh, well. <laughs> as well as playing uh, Maria Bamford's father in Lady Dynamite on Netflix. Oh, yeah. But he's, yeah, he's, yeah, would he, yeah I could go with Ed Begley Jr., That'd be interesting. Steve-o? Uh Yeah, I similarly just had one uh, idea. Me trying to get as many photos of him because he's quite old now. But um, uh, James Woods was oh. my suggestion. Uh, Isn't he mad as a hairbrush? He, well, he is a bit of a loon now, but I, I do know what you mean. Um, yeah, I think he looks quite like what uh, I perceive. See, he's a bit old and crusty now. But uh, yeah, but yeah, he 19- liability on set. 
1980. Well, you know, you need to have uh, a bit of fun, don't you? <laughs> it's funny how such a small description of a character in a book can lead to some very quick and obvious things to come to your mind, mm. whereas other ones we struggle with quite yeah. a lot. But everyone who contributed sort of had a very quick and pretty good sort of set of choices, really, to, to come out of that. So very interesting. It's never explicitly stated in the book as well, though. Sam Grossman is surely a Jewish character as well. Mm-hmm. It's never said that he's, a, he's Jewish, but he does make reference to certain Jewish holidays and mm. talking about it and occasionally sort of uses a bit of Yiddish language yeah. when he's talking on the phone to Corella and, and things like that. That's by the by. It's just a, yeah. a, a aspect of the character that's there. So what do we think? Who are we casting? I don't know. I, I, I think uh, one of your, two, your two's suggestion... I, mm. I would say. I suspect you can get Ed Begley Jr. for less than Hugh Laurie. <laughs> well, that James Cromwell might be very good, actually. Well, oh, I don't know. Which way are we going to go? You see, I think Hugh Laurie's... Pro- how old is Hugh Laurie now? He's been his... Uh, it doesn't matter how old he is. You well, can, you know, you can, uh, you can be what He's very age. bankable, isn't he, Hugh Laurie? He is. I mean, we, we can do a fancy cast and we can also do one for the, the actual real production, which yeah. is obviously going to be made. Because, um, well, yeah, I don't, know how, I don't know how old Hugh Laurie actually is. I should know this because I'm a massive fan of, of Fry and Laurie. And Mid 50s. Heading towards 60, I think. And Ed Begley Jr.'s early 60s, I think. Might be getting on a little bit now. Well, you, seen, you two need to fight it. I could I could go with either of those two, I think. Oh. Yeah. Mm. It's almost like a proper guest star role, isn't it? Mm. Because you, you wouldn't necessarily have them in every episode, but you'd, be, true. They'd be, you'd be really appreciating it when they're on screen. Oh. Well, you know, I, I mean, whilst I would like one of my choices to actually make it into this production, I, I'd, I'd be happy to, to go you know with what? Well, Hugh we'll as well. Ed Begley Jr. Will we? Because, because he is brilliant. <laughs> he is brilliant. It'd be interesting to see him do that sort of role. And we could save Hugh Laurie for someone else. Okay, that's yeah. cool. That's like cool. That. He's, he's versatile as well, so there's, there's yeah. going to be another role that he could do. Yeah, I'm looking definitely. forward to finding out what it is. <laughs> well, we need to decide who we're going to cast next time. When we return for the next episode. Oof. Do we go to the squad room? Do we challenge ourselves now for one of the... We're going to do book is his wedding. Well, the next book is about Bert and Augusta's wedding, so why don't we do... Bert. Bert Kling. Oh, now. The boyish good looks of Bertram Kling. That's the challenge for next time, everybody. I think that'd be a tough one, that. Yeah, yeah it could be. And there's quite a lot of precedent already from him appearing in different... Oof different adaptations and things. Mm. Mm, excellent stuff. Right, well, like I say, when we return next time, it'll be about so long as you both shall live. Do you know what? I think it's time to wrap up this bizarre cavalcade of <laughs> Russian carry-on films and yep. racist <laughs> portrayals of Dinosaur everyone. Dinosaur <laughs> Oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm spent on the idea of Listomania and Oliver Reed <laughs> singing those songs. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. And fare thee well. 